Welcome to Talk About Poetry, where a group of working poets gather to discuss poems that please excite, sometimes annoy, but always engage us one way or the other, and we hope in the process manage to bring some loving attention to the work at hand. I'm Bob Hers, publisher and editor of Nine Mile Magazine and Nine Mile Books, which is the sponsor of this podcast. You can find us online at ninemile.org. Today, we're delighted to provide a treat, a reading by Dylan Krieger, author of Giving Godhead, recently out from Delete Press. This is a different kind of book, full of wonderful wordplay and extravagant metaphors, sometimes dark, sometimes light, always, always, always interesting. An early version of the book won the Louisiana State University Robert Penn Warren Award for Best Poetry Thesis of 2015. The judge for that award wrote of the poems, and I love this quote, quote, if a girl, a virus, a horned animal, milkweed, an exchange of cash for dirty looks, the near rhyme of greed to death, the names of all brutes, and a shroud in which was wrapped the erect ascendant all met in an ovum and, lodged deep in the earth's core, fused into a supernova. If, from that long ago time until this very moment, perhaps even to the future, that supernova were listening in on us, her grave canal located such that she were overexposed to U.S. American political evangelizing all at once began to speak, this is what she says. Close quote. Ms. Krieger works as a magazine editor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where she recently earned her MFA in poetry and co-directed the annual Delta Mouth Literary Festival. She was born in South Bend, Indiana, and graduated summa cum laude from the University of Notre Dame. Giving Godhead is her first book. This is Dylan Krieger. Um, I'm a poet originally hailing from South Bend, Indiana, where I studied writing under Johannes Gorenson at the University of Notre Dame before moving down south, where I live now, um, on the Mississippi Delta in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, the land falling into the sea. I'm going to read about 20 poems from my debut poetry collection, Giving Godhead, a book that was uh, nearly 10 years in the making for me when I wrote it as my graduate thesis at Louisiana State University, studying under Laura Glenham and Laura Mullen between 2013 and 2015. It was released by Delete Press in February 2017 and dedicated to my parents, who homeschooled me for religious reasons uh, primarily, all the way through high school and up until college. Now, um, as a philosophy major at Notre Dame, I quickly began seeing some of the inconsistencies and hypocrisies of my parents' religion, especially surrounding sexuality. Um, and that sort of free-thinking rebellion brought me back again and again to these moments uh, growing up in youth group where my friends and I manning the church projector would either accidentally or intentionally tweak the lyrics of worship songs to make them sound sexually deviant um, instead of devout. And and you can see how this how easy it would be to do that if you remember common prayers like asking Christ to come into you, etc. Um, so the phrase giving Godhead is itself an obvious example of this since it can be understood as both a generous deity, a Godhead that's giving, 
uh, and a sex act performed on that deity. Um, now, what my friends and I were doing on that projector was letting out some much-warranted anger, in my opinion, against the church for its repression of our burgeoning sexual desires. And it turned out that for nearly all of those individuals I knew at the time in youth group, those sexual desires were in some way deviant, kinky, controversial, other, uh, mostly due to their overt play on power dynamics. So dominant and submissive, sadism and masochism, rape fantasies, etc. And in my mind, um, this is no coincidence because although um, that type of sexual deviance was portrayed as sinful and condemnable our entire lives, Christ's passion nonetheless exemplified, um, for me, the ideals of both feminine acquiescence um, in his submission to the Father's will and Gethsemane and beyond, um, and masculine dominance as sacrificial head of the church and master over his disciples, etc. So, um, so even though I and many of these youth group friends have by now left the church and are supposedly free of fundamentalist Christianity and its various repressions, our, our sort of categorical thinking in terms of power dynamics is still heavily influenced by this conservative model of like an all-powerful father and a submissive servant. And in that way, we're, um, I feel for forever branded as a member of that fold, whether I like it or not. So, um, so giving Godhead was really a way for me to come to terms with that, um, no matter that I am a part of that and, and marked by that, no matter what I believe now, no matter what philosophy I espouse. So, um, and the way I came to terms with it was by reclaiming the language that I had once felt oppressed and, and brainwashed by even um, and repurposing that language and really making it my own, um, something I could live with and embrace and even laugh at uh, rather than be haunted by. This first poem that I'm going to read is called uh, Wise Virus, and that's W-H-Y apostrophe S. Um, with the obvious pun um, of W-I-S-E. Um, and that's on purpose because, um, you know, asking why is indeed the first step toward wisdom, um, in my view. So um, disease is a running theme throughout the book, uh, I should mention. Uh, going back to the Garden of Eden and and God's supposed planting of original sin, a sort of out in the open for Adam and Eve to to come and eat and and contract its hereditary sin disease, um, as bizarre as that doctrine is. So the problem of evil is another major tool that I use throughout the manuscript to debunk the notion of a of a good natured God, um, because look at the world around us. If there is a God, uh, he's he's as problematic morally as all of us. So the allegory by which this critique takes shape in the book shows God intentionally infecting humanity with an STD of sorts called original sin and then punishing us for contracting what he himself gave us, wise virus. Wise virus. Sometimes I wake up in the funeral position, pecuniary feeling like here can I pay with my peeled skin? 
Maybe God is striking me with lightning every morning. Maybe the fire in my eyelids is saying something. Maybe in the vein of, get behind me, Satan, skulls wide open. Watch how wise virus keeps my seance privy to infection, waving its question mark privates and warming up stick pins to fuck my fright just right in every one of its cerebral corners. Note to the self. Roar to the world. The Lord is just another dirty bird along the beach, caking on motor oil and dandelion seeds. Must concoct another solar father for all you dead reflective cells. Must pull the tree burrs from my blow-up life and sigh. So these next few poems I'm going to be reading are from the first section of the book, uh, Quid Pro Blow, and they focus more on Christ's passion, as I mentioned, but, um, as, but also earlier echoes in the patrilineage and blood sacrifices of the Old Testament. Um, some of these pieces get fairly personal um, by invoking the figure of my mother, um, who was originally converted to Christianity by David Koresh, the leader of the Branch Davidians, who was killed in the Waco, Texas siege of 93. Um, So my mother's understanding of the Bible, I should say, has always been marked by plenty of fire and brimstone, um, as well as a literalist rendering of Genesis. Uh, So it served for a pretty perfect target for giving Godhead's critique, um, as well as obviously the the motivation for that critique. Um, And uh, but something that might be important here for these poems and going back to the sexuality language is just that um, her attraction to David Koresh was initially, in my understanding, as much physical as it was ideological. She she said he was very hot all the time. So so again, we see that um, that the religious impulse is a sort of displaced sexual desire. Saint Drain, strung out inside. My tired thigh highs, I am filling my stigmata with cotton, all the blotted bite holes showing through, tracks down the gaudy skin shroud, when I purse my lipids like a schoolgirl, blood and water trickle, outbound to my godhead, bursting girdled stars throughout the organ, pipes all wet with mucosal, overtures on who, overturned stones in Golgotha, or goes Tell it like prayerful ghosts of one's own pwned femur preserved in Tupperware and twine. My ankles dilate and I mime out every gape that isn't mine. A writhe, a writhe on the thirsty in the, in the worst way that sometimes my church muscle feels dirty. A ritual feeding in need of meter. Meat music 
matters in a word made flesh-eating, mana flush with messianic murder maggots dancing down the rafters, magic turns, madness to virtue, cesspools to perfume, when virtually every starry-eyed cartoon avatar attains sainthood, regardless of gardens lost, godheads garnering serpentine, sonic, or super-seminal ruins. Oh, pardon me, I'm busy sounding out this heavy burden. For your information service, breaking Sabbath happens to be one ha bad habit I'd be happy to burn out on. This is the stuff of interventions, Mom. I admit your legalistic charm comes with some pervy comfort soft of certainty, still unseen any elsewhere but the edgewise of the bed. If heaven hides so many mansions, which one could possibly know best? No blessing falls this far abreast. I've wrestled down a dozen angels, fairy dusting, husk to husk. But what's the point in shaking ladders when there's nothing but a rumble at the top? Original Schism. The believer bride body carves the word prosthesis into both its femurs. Watch out got that Holy Spirit fever. When my demons get sun drunk, they spit up particles of fear all over. A feast even the beast can't keep down. The semen of the thirsty first head. On the third day, he graced the newborn earth with a pretty little burnout curse. Don't cross this line or else regret. Look at me go, I'm getting wet just at the threat. I bet bride's better half comes back with hep. Too vivid a scar to forgive or forfeit. Fortunate that she's first world informed enough to know where to cut. The ephemeral artery, famous jumper of guns, gets unplugged. Not like God and the devil pallet amputee fetish. They have much bigger fish with original forfins to fuck. But this faux virgin, jilted urchin, hurts the worst way with her legs on. So now I'm sounding out a safe word to forget just long enough to saw the loose limbs of history off. Swaddling plot. Every Sabbath Eve in my rape dreams, I swaddle Christ's body in spray-on glitter and kitty litter. As in literal pedigree, we bred a savior from King David and a rainstorm-spitting brain matter. Simultaneously baby, rave zombie, and crane-lifted detonator. Watch how he weeps for the seepage to fall down. After all, that was what the 40 days were all about. God's very first constipation blackout when fountains of garden flood penance blood stopped him up and all he could muster was bad manna and flames the size of a mustard seed but don't nitpick this ardently faulty arithmetic for the old testicles always give rise to the new the gospel of it's all true so are you saved or screwed bathed or bruised he became just like a regular jew except with more pinpoints to prove like perfection according to whom the narrative arc of this covenant is askew, so no more dumping the bodies of godheads I once blew. I'll wrap them up in exfoliant seaweed and roll them like snow into forts. I can never remember the ending right, though. Something about cyborg nuns running a whorehouse and a sex, and a sex act in which I am swallowed whole and then vomited off into satellite orbit. A little fun movie reference for those of you who remember the, the 60s, um, God means never having to say you're sorry. 
telepimping officiant baldly pauses on punishment, gaudy doggy-style dogma, how Christ creeps up behind us, chiming ohis and tribal silence. Your Highness prime us for a forced forgiveness, archangels prying panties off to find man's anus sprouting rainbows from second get-go of creation, post-diluvian fruitcake shaming, when that old hooligan zoo parade came marching two by two, maybe the circular world was scared straight for one fatefully fire and brimstony day. But lately these here depraved United States, tender state-of-the-art simulations of the Canaanite plains, going gaga for more and more sodomy play, browning boundaries faster than you can say, pillar of stigma, stay where the sisters and fathers can see you, Peaky frozen ballerina, keep your dirty heathen secrets all lashed, tallied, and accounted even, believer by believer, lest the rock face cry foul, and all but support beams start turning around at the sound of swift wrath and nostalgia gone bad, while some Samsonite titan pulls the bulk of this whole mega church building down. Biblical Umbilical The public house is where my most amazing graces sound like degradations. Come, this is where your parents pointed when you asked where babies came from. I'm not afraid to say I made one up from scratch, like an imaginary cupcake batch, the timer ding that tells you kill this thing before it gets too big to sneeze into your pinafore, because our foreskin isn't symbolizing any sin, except the foreplay God decided to forego one night, nine months before the New Year bright and beautiful as newborns splashing into slop troughs. When all the inns are full, what else is there to fill but drinking halls and every hole in your hull still accepting molestable guests? But one grisly visitor turns a better smothered visionary color than the rest, a kingly crest burned in his testicles and a creed stuck in his teeth. You try to suck the secrets from his vast urethra, but instead you're drinking maladies and steam and when he leaves even the weeping just reminds you of the juice you never knew the fruits of gardens strewn with marbles that explode as soon exhumed so when you straighten out a snake charm like mystic cables up the cunt you won't be fishing for cirrhosis lost salvation or broke johns but for the simple fact that nowadays no one's guarded by an angel but a bomb You'll notice that a couple of these poems, um, the one I just read and one coming up shortly, tackle the topic of the virgin birth um, through that lens lens of the rape fantasy um, that Mary was supposedly very willing to be impregnated by an angel um, to give birth to Christ. But I question... Um, in the same way that I question the notion of hell, how we can talk about that as a, as a choice instead of coercion if, um, if the threat of hell uh, is always, always lurking in the background, if the threat of divine punishment is always there. Auto Messiah. 
My sacrificial ram runs on batteries, a blessing in disgust at the sight of its own blasphemy, blasting off lickety-splat like botched sorcery, like bottle rockets popping open, he-goat's horny headbone. Because who else could dirty talk in tongues of fire, bellow bah-bah through the black smoke and really mean, oh, woe is my adultery, woe is my eyelash solitary in its crosshairs, Xing out a hoary godhead, ghost men perched on on thorny glosses, posing naked, make me, take me. This is where your rape dreams come from. Christ in every hole gone crazy, saying lay me down and eat me. Bloody sacrifice, flecked sexy by consent that as you wish style silence. Minusing the manic embarrass. Minus the staticky whine of the protest. Equals a plastic virgin cracking open in the reeds. Canticle Cannibal. Mom always prayed with one hand behind her back, like a fencer or a flashing bullfighter, something yet to revelation from her genesis. The youngest prophet chases her schisms with apocalypse fetish, armored garters teasing armies up toward World War wormhole, a hell you'll soon consider home. Its creaks and crows, cocking thrice hammers back at every fiery denial. The pre-forgiven she on trial, godhead reeling, feeling men's room cocaine vile. Downturned spiral, if this is final, then what's left over to unhide? What could the fire ever find behind its violence? So this is the title poem of the section, Quid Pro Blow. Um, and this is another poem that really hammers home that idea of to convert in the first place, perhaps being better thought of as coerced than uh, a real choice because of this fear that uh, I still feel at times, uh, this fear of hell, fear of fire, um, because it was it was just so um, hammered into us when we were young that it's um, it's hard to shake, even when you don't believe in it anymore. Quid pro blow. If the devil's holding a revolver full of lava to your head, then genuflections never genuine. Oh no, get down on knees to quid pro blow. Favors for favors, suck for salvation, but it's secretly disease-laden. Tastes like saber-toothed truth fruits plucked straight from the garden of eating and naming, creation by creation, now comes with built-in sin hole, shaming sad animals for monster baiting. There is no master, only galactic mansions coming their kingdom down out of heaven via lost satellites and ceiling plaster. Menage Trinity. Two ghouls, one corpse. When Godhead and Ghosty get down on that Sabbath day shibboleth platter, bad habits go faster after half-breed distempers and temple and Baptist detaches his headlamp up the river's asshole. 
The rabbis always asked her, Ave Pariah, how about another divine little rascal? She only eyeballs her bundle of crowned and uncrying bastard, watching redemptive death and vengeance lurking past his neural rafters. But no matter how much prayer and fasting, even the Blessed Mother curses her heavenly father in return on occasion, when this recurring silent nightmare flashes right before her vital fright hole, incestful upset of a bygone hymen, breaking at table this strangest fable in which an angel desecrates the world stage by dressing up ejaculate in rainbow-colored covenants and apocalyptic terror threats. Animal Crown such thorny stories tend to shift like organs, but the most important portion is the crucicoma squirming out my wormhole. What happens after is a rarefied disastergasm, black static that engulfs my home planet in frantics. Like, has the snow always consisted of swarming insects? A slither upriver makes you question your existence. What is it with lizards, their myriad scissoring eyelids and sly skin, at once liquid devil and exile? bellyful, plaguely impossible. There's no swallowing heaven's whole load in one go, no grounding it down into loam. The atmosphere spins it away at star's length, but even orbital portals know how to point home, spell your name in the sand dune. Was it David or Judah, Yahweh or Yeshua? Yes, you, God of all things, sticky, colluded, milkweed and honeydew, filching and fluting. Sometimes I still hear you full steam from the blood altar, hissing how 40 lashes for daddy's least piss-pawn can do. But without that, what if Atlantic bad habit? What if my tri-horny heads start to zoo? So skipping ahead here, this next poem uh, that I'm going to read is from the second section of the book, Songs for Swallowing. And I wrote this specifically about my experience of being um, sort of pressured to speak in tongues growing up in my mom's Pentecostal church and my failure to do so signaling for me either uh, an insincerity on the part of the parishioners or some failure on my part. Um, so I understood on some level when I discovered that I couldn't speak in tongues like they could, that either God had not chosen this for me or that I was being punished with this alienation, um, or quite simply, my fellow churchgoers were faking it. Um, so any of these possibilities was enough to form the beginning of a profound disillusionment for me with my faith. Because for a writer, I think language means a, a lot for both personal identity and and for social bonding. So, um, so being exiled from that special, like supposedly very spiritually enlightening kind of speech was was scarring. It left a mark um, and left me sort of embittered and and feeling sick of trying to fit in where I didn't really belong. Ick this. 
Bucket of holies, dumped in my belly. Wow, Jonah, so heavy, hung like a house. Oh my gods, pearly mansion, built on a rock face. But oh, how it rolls, out and over ocean floor, where the dead whistle rape, praise and warships, for the wail of all words heard burning backwards from the brambles. The prophet stammers on about just deserts and plaguing the race with a savory fish flung so high on its own miracle wine that its bready flesh brines pickled paper i quit dying to swallow dove or pigeon they always told me to coo or la la if ever i sought the core spasm to mid-song spire vomit faceful of tongues flap-a-lap clapping their babble on sand Apostles Anonymous. Hello, my name is Human Dirt. I'm all hopped up and on the maker. Yes, that's Mr. First Mover to you avid abusers of his black tar salvation, rushing drowned sheep downstream from the hells he's instated, fairy crossings for Satan, where heretics stare barefingered till millennial always, because victory rings around rosaries are merely grandmotherly murderabilia, keepsakes speaking for infinity, spooky winking scapegoat trinkets. O oh, cast iron of submissive victims, deliver us from clear-eyed vision, forgive our fetishistic menaces, and cover up all the evidence, deleting manifold histories the same minute you orgasm, where the porno begins defamiliaring. Click this shortcut for flash-based self-hate. They say the devil's baiting me, but I believe they underestimate these cataclysmic vacancies. Look my holes are eating me without danger i withdrawal shaking like fill my stocking with more and more rape baby hey i need to feel terrorized by my own sickest fantasy like how every free american has their favorite conspiracy peering through bedroom windows mine's called brothels without borders foreign nations take me break me snort me shoot me you might think yourself clean or high tested like Job, but in this penance, bending over never ends until he says so. As you can see, I have um, some personal experience with addiction, too. Uh, it might not be surprising um, that I grew up very much in a household of addicts, too. So um, maybe it is surprising. It's a weird juxtaposition to a couple of people that I've talked to to be both... Um, raised in a super conservative Christian household and, you know, to have brushes with, you know, illegal drugs in the house too. So we're, we're in strange territory here and this is what came out of it. This is called Notes Passed in Church. Communion wager. Candy lover or drugged evangelist? Paradox turned parasitic, right up my raw religious alley, as in a land before x-rays, but juicier, with more tongue muscles wriggling, 
where my body bobbin unwinds, a final kind of show and needle, threatened and tell a lie like that it's just a ghost story or a gustatory crime. I don't smile like this in real life. It's where the puppets go to die, when out of language, guts, or twine. For luck, I suck his tiny high hand, find myself blown up by a showboat, built out of limestone, petrified fins and everybody's little teacup ids. I'm unlaunching all the world with munchies made from my slime womb. How yucky. The bite wounds look, whoa, almost fecal. No nameplate, no danger, no crane. In the beginning, blow by blow, when God had yet to be found in a bread bowl, as much as I tried, I never ate him, nor any scroll still firm in its fertile ridges. Their slim fit eclipses my limit. The vertigo of wakefulness is radical mastectomy, tectonic vandalism, pushing my motor body to the ventricular brink of star spin, numbers shrinking down from mass laws to particular sins. Cauliflowering foreskin, a force akin to snowmelt, eternity spread giving godhead, and swallowing down Edenic pandemic with its sex-sploding rodents and burning trapeze acts. But this three-ring master bangs instead of whimpers. Look, I am thinking in ballistics, the lickable trajectories of liquids. Irradiate my wineskin like a virgin's holy vision, shrining just below the mitten where you would slit the wrist of America to make the interstate split. Or better yet, shoot up an interstitial spitwad called Bets Off. Discipline. When you say Jesus like that, I want to hurl all your sperm banks back up in your faith. Fish for these men in the belly of the whale, finger down inside this famished mammoth, perforate your firstborns like a good gall, like a good gallmighty lore. But lo, I'm too high to hatch that cracked lap sack. My hiccup trance substantiates a danger full of mangy wafer babies, once a godhead, once a garden. Now just fuel. So finally, these last couple of poems I'm going to read are from a series called Phobia File, uh, which summarized for me my relationship with, um, with Christianity throughout the writing process of Giving Godhead because at the same time as I feared the fire and brimstone of my mother's religion. I was also obviously fascinated by it enough to be compelled to write about it. So I began to intentionally write about um, these fears, one poem at a time, um, that these fears that served also as writerly obsessions, I noticed. So here I'm going to read two of them, Stygio, um, which means the fear of hell. 
and Atomoso, which means the fear of, um, of atomic bombs. Stigio. Dear brother, gods are so sorry. San Augustine say that all aborted brainstems face damnation. That is, if human. That is, if plucked and soaked in fusion. Maritime rule need not imbibe. When doctor, punch, bowl, break, suck, flush the skull's pollution. How are you now in your star-charred arms, O oh master lacerate of no emotion? Sometimes I cry to think you mystified, a gaseous atom, chaining sheep for bombshell fodder. Shear for me your satin father. Masturbate the uncut cuckold's thorns. Endear the forty lashes, forty digs. That is, you would be forty if alive. That is, the difference in the time it takes to drink a glass of iodine. Adamosa. Dear Manhattan, you ratchet skin to scraper. Scalding fallout skirts my derma. When the body forms new sets of lips, that's it. No way to keep out water. Skewered cities false stigmata. The shadow of the mushroom cloud on wrist or face means lesion, come what may. An anti-marking, armed in gardens. The wound I dressed, I decked, went out, dropped trow. What if after Eve took bit and downed, Adam just split. No more Pauline human fusion. Can't and able. He saw, but I said it. It's raining lanterns. Expel our fate in letters from the elements. Ra, ra, no path, but out of matches. And as a conclusion, here I'm just going to read the coda of the book, the final poem. Transfigure. Out of this transfigure spill seedy fruits of projectile venom, reptilian rebellion, infection called fecund with red and white jail cells, ward blooded, the taste of whose whining Christ likey, or is cruciformity just a curse on poor holograms willing and eager to die under forty? Do you know why even God wouldn't pry his own animal eyes out? Because there always thrives some higher nightmare phallus, pushing down and spouting viral strife. So something I should add um, as an acknowledgement of sorts in closing is that one literary movement of that that this book is indebted to deeply is Laura Glenham's uh, and R.L. Greenberg's The Girlesque. It's an anthology, search for it on Amazon. Um, it combines punk feminism and grotesque aesthetics with burlesque satire. And I think that that's key to understanding how these poems function as, as both political and as funny. So even though they have a serious mission, it's also certainly okay to laugh, you know, and people aren't, a lot of people aren't used to that approach to poetry. They're used to poetry being very serious um, and, and you know, somber and, and universal somehow. And, and no, this is, this is a poetry about bodies. It's about very particular bodies um, and disenfranchised bodies, bodies that are overlooked too often and bodies that are sacrificed 
according to our, you know, our foundational cultural myths. So, so even though that's very serious on the one hand, there's also a sense in which, you know, undermining this language and punning on this language is funny and it's supposed to be funny and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I often get people kind of muffling laughs at readings and I, I don't, I love the laughter. Please laugh. It was funny when um, my friends and I were manning the church projector uh, in youth group and, and first concocted these kinds of uh, double double entendres with religious language at, for ourselves. Obviously, we didn't first do it in history. There's a long his, history of it. But for ourselves, when we discovered these kinds of double entendres, it was a, from a place of humor that we were coming in the first place. So um, so always feel free to laugh and... Um, and I hope you enjoyed. Thanks. Signing off now. This is the Talk About Poetry podcast, sponsored by Nine Mile Magazine and Nine Mile Books. We hope you've enjoyed this production. Our music is by Bob Perry, an Emmy Award-winning musician who lives and works in Syracuse, New York. Thanks to all. Thanks to all.